If you ran into a bear in the woods, would you know what to do? How about if you got stuck on the top of a mountain in the middle of a snowstorm with lightning? That's when you would want someone like Sage with you, a wilderness guide, to help you enjoy your time while staying alive. This week I talk with Sage Raymond, who is a wilderness who is a wilderness guide in Canada. Alrighty, so my name is Sage and I work as a wilderness guide. Specifically, I work in bear viewing, uh, but the location that I work, our bear density is fairly low. So it's, uh, it's a lot broader than just looking for bears, finding bears and watching bears. We do a lot of hiking, we do a little bit of whitewater rafting and um, lots and lots of nature interpretation, lots and lots of tracking. So it's a really good time. Sounds like you get to spend a lot of time outside. I certainly do, <laughs> which is wonderful. Yeah, so how did you get here? Tell me a little bit about what brought you to being a wilderness guide. Yes, so I did not know that bear viewing guide was a job. I definitely didn't know that uh, while I was growing up. So I was always interested in science, and I was always interested in nature, now, I grew up in kind of what I consider a very ecologically stale part of the world. Uh, lots of soybean fields, um, lots and lots of agriculture. Uh, but even then, outside was just my favorite place to be. Um, and so I did a year of university in Ottawa uh, taking biochemistry, but I decided it wasn't really my thing. So I left Ontario. I came out to BC. I went hiking. I loved the mountains. I loved being, uh, you know, somewhere where there's grizzly bears and wolves and stuff in, in the bush around you. Um, and I kind of felt like I wanted to work with and around wildlife and work in the bush. And I stumbled upon a college level program called Recreation Fish and Wildlife, which doesn't even sound like it is allowed to be school, but it is. Um, so I did a two-year diploma in Recreation Fish and Wildlife. Uh, and after that, um, I worked for a little while as a wildlife technician, and uh, then I was kind of at a point where I was interested in finding a job that was outside, consistent with my ethics, and, you know, reasonably financially sustainable, and in the Kootenai region of British Columbia. And uh, I stumbled across this company that I thought seemed really cool. I, I cold called them, actually. Uh, luckily, it was one of my better cold calls, and... Uh, <laughs> Um, the, uh, my, my now boss, um, got the cold call, you know, emailed me back, um, said I could come into an, for, in for an interview and he hired me. Oh, that's exciting. It's great that's to take right. that leap and have it work out. Yes. I took lots of leaps that didn't work out and I still do, but, uh, that, that one was great. And I actually ended up working there. Um, I worked there three years and then this year was going to be my fourth, but it's a tourism industry. So obviously COVID uh, shut it down. Yeah, that's making things hard for a lot of people right now. It sure is. Yep. So is there any idea, any prospects of when you might get to go back to a little bit more normalcy? Uh, yes, we'll see. Um, it all depends on international borders. Um, at the company that I worked at, 
at the company that I worked at, most of our guests were international. Um, so until international borders are, are open again, I, I don't imagine um, there will be much bear guiding for me to do. Luckily, I've still been able to uh, stay in the area. I've been working as a wildlife technician doing other things. Um, and I've been able to stay in the area. So I still get to spend time, look for bears, go tracking, and kind of keep my nature nature interpretation skills up that way. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about the bears that you work with. Because So I live in kind of central Minnesota. So I we touch Canada. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, I have seen one bear in the wild and it was absolutely terrifying. I don't know <laughs> if I would want to do it um, all the time. But I can imagine you know more about, you know, the safety and being responsible with it. Yes, absolutely. So I think one of the th- one of the biggest things that people accuse bears of that is uh, inappropriate, I think, um, is people accuse them of being unpredictable. And in fact, they're very, very predictable. We as humans just don't know how to predict their behavior, which is super reasonable because, you know, we're humans and we, we evolved to understand human communication, not bear communication. And so you can learn to read a bear's behavior. And that, in combination with uh, kind of some general education about the area you're working in um, and some, some kind of awareness of, of factors that increase risk, um, can keep you really, really very safe around bears. Um, I've been doing this for four, well, you know, four, four years. Um, I've been doing this for four years and I have never had to use my bear spray. My boss has been doing it for 15 years and he's never had to use his bear spray. So there's a lot of communication that can go on there. So I work with both black bears and grizzly bears. Um, both species are really interesting. Both species are really enjoyable to be around. Um, and both species are really, really sophisticated and intelligent animals, uh, that are very, very communicative with their body language. Um, and I feel very, very fortunate to to work around both of them. And it's interesting, you know, a lot of us have experience with um, prey species like deer. And uh, there's really something different about um, interacting with or observing a grizzly bear that isn't afraid of you. It's a lot more relatable than, say, a deer that, you know, it sees you and it just bolts into the woods. You know, a bear, you get to see and, and watch it kind of interact with the environment. And that that's really lovely. Yes, I've definitely been around deer that just kind of will spook at the spook at the littlest things, and totally. the bear I saw stared at us. <laughs> for a long time, so. Yep, they do that sometimes. So, and it was actually he was standing in the middle of the road, so it was interesting. We had to kind of sit there and just wait for him to uh, meander along. Yep. <laughs> so. It sounds like you're definitely in kind of a forest area. Yes, that's right. Um, so I live in um, the interior. Um, I live in the interior rainforest, actually, in southeastern BC. And what's really cool is that it's actually the only inland temperate rainforest in the whole wide world. Uh, so it's a super cool ecosystem to live in. Um, it's called a rainforest, but most of our precipitation actually comes as snow. So it's it's pretty cool. What is the, like, the temperature climate look like? Yeah, it's actually surprisingly warm. Um, 
rel- you know, relatively speaking, we're in Canada here. Um, but uh, so our winters, you know, we have around zero minus five, uh, you know, the coldest nights are probably about negative 20. These are all Celsius temperatures, by the way. Um, okay. And then uh, it can get very hot in the summer. So it can get up to plus 30 plus 35 uh, Celsius in the summer. Okay. Um, I will have to look into context for that because I'm an American who doesn't know. Celsius, yeah, so. <laughs> and unfortunately, I, I've got no idea how to convert them. So that's, that's all right. Work. I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, so I would guess that you probably don't have a typical day in your life when it comes to actually getting to work full time when it's non-COVID, but is there anything that's kind of consistent that you get to do more often? Yes, absolutely. And I'll start off by saying that I'm kind of one of those personalities that gets that gets bored easily. And so I love that my days are not the same every day. It's one of the things I love the most about guiding is you can go into work and anything could happen. Um, you know, you could have thunderstorms and lightning and bears and animals and just all all sorts of crazy stuff could happen. And I love that diversity. But yeah, on a typical day, uh, let's say in the autumn, uh, you might get up very early, you typically get up very early, um, just before dawn, um, go in, maybe meet up with the other guides, make a plan for the morning. uh, And then you take guests out, um, usually on the river, looking for bears before breakfast. And uh, it's often colder in the mornings, it's often a little bit rainy. And um, Often people are grumpy, um, so they're often very, very quiet walks, and I really enjoy that. I find it's a great way to start the day. Um, then you come back from your walk, um, have some food, have some breakfast, and then uh, and then do kind of a bigger activity during the day. Uh, it might be taking guests out in a whitewater raft. Um, we've got salmon in the river, so that's always a fun time. Or it might be going all the way up into the subalpine to try to see grizzly bears feeding on huckleberries in these beautiful remote valleys that, you know, people, people just don't spend time in. Uh, and then again, come back, you may, you have a picnic lunch out somewhere. Uh, and then again, come back, have some dinner. Uh, and often after dinner, one of, one of the guides, um, often myself will give a a presentation, um, on bears, bear behavior, some of the other local wildlife, uh, or maybe show some of the trail camera footage you've been collecting, um, things like that. So are you working as a team with some other guides to work with like one group of people? Yes, that's right. So uh, the operation that I have worked at is very small. Uh, The maximum capacity is about 12 guests at a time. And um, the maximum number of people you'll have with one guide is typically four. Uh, So usually it'll be six couples, but that can vary a little bit. Um, Sometimes families come. um, And of course, couple, I'm just using that to designate two people, Mm -hmm. any any combination of two people, um, co-workers, all sorts of things will come all sorts of combos will come. Uh, and yeah, so there's often six six groups of two and then one guide per four people uh, approximately. And that's that's how we'll manage it. So, and then it sounds like it's kind of a, a whole day thing too, right? Yes. Um, the operation that I work at is fairly remote. So we don't, we don't do day trips. Uh, we only do multi-day trips. So there's, there's lovely little cabins that, uh, that folks will stay in. And um, they'll come for three or four days and we'll go do super fun day trips every day. Awesome. 
Do you have a favorite story that you like to tell? Oh, um, or more than like, one. <laughs> yeah, like a favorite, a favorite guiding story, maybe. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So once upon a time, um, I had some Australians show up. Four Australians, and we were just getting into September, like late September, early October, and we were going up the mountain to look for uh, to look for grizzly bears feeding on huckleberries, and. Um, the weather was okay. The forecast actually looked pretty good. It wasn't calling for precipitation or anything. And we were up there and it was snowing. So it was, it was uh, sunny in the valley bottom, but up where we were, it was, it was starting to snow. And uh, none of these people had ever seen snow before. So they were very, very excited that it was snowing and we were looking for grizzly bears. So it was, it was shaping up to be a pretty good day. And then, um, and then I found some grizzly bear tracks and we started tracking the bear along the ridge. It was pretty easy because there was um, just, a, you know, an inch or two of snow. And uh, off we went following this grizzly bear and the weather's just getting worse and worse. And these are, you know, Australians, so they're not really used to it. And I'm getting a little bit worried about them. And, and uh, the snow's starting to blow kind of sideways. It's not really soft snow anymore. It's icy pellets hitting our faces. So mm -hmm. I said, okay, guys, I think I, think I want to get you off the ridge. We're going we're gonna to go hide um, on the far side of this ridge and just huddle up. And uh, I'm very glad I did because about, about 30 seconds after I called us off the main ridge, there was a huge um, flash of lightning and then just immediately afterwards thunder and so loud that it, it kind of hurt your ears. And um, all of the guests just froze. And uh, I, one lady had a hiking pole, a metal hiking pole. So I grabbed it and I threw it away. And it felt a little bit like, you know, in a, in a movie or something, like a war <laughs> movie. I was all like, get down, get down, you know. And, we, and uh, they were terrified. I was scared too, but, you know, you're kind of trained not to show it. But I was totally <laughs> scared. Um, and so we, we kind of clambered down this ridge. It's snowy. It's snowing. The wind is howling. There's a grizzly bear nearby. Um, I'm kind of intermitt intermittently yelling because I don't want the bear to walk into us. And uh, so I pulled the tarp out of my bag and uh, made us a little very, very crude shelter. And we all just huddled under there. And they were all, they were all terrified. Um, so was I. And the, the lightning kept flashing and the um, the thunder kept rolling in. It was it was pretty intense for a while. And then uh, they were great, too. They were in good spirits. They were making jokes. Uh, and then eventually uh, the storm died down and I radioed my boss and said, hey, did you just get a crazy storm? Because we, we just got a crazy storm up here. And he's like, oh, no, I mean, I can I can see some clouds up on the mountain, but, you know, it's it's fine down here. Um, and I asked him to check, check the radar for me because it looked kind of looked like more, more weather was coming in. And he said, okay, I'll check the radar and get back to you. And he, uh, he called into me and he said, you need to get off that mountain before three o'clock. <laughs> and you know, it's maybe about one or so I haven't fed these guys and, uh, they're all scared and tired. And I said, okay, sorry guys, we, we have to get out of here. So, uh, I made them just charge up this mountain in the snow without having eaten like it was, it was it was just a bit bit ridiculous but the end at the end of it you know even though that was supposed to be their vacation and you know it certainly wasn't restful uh they were all delighted they just they just had a great day they sound like troopers oh they were such troopers yeah so um we get a decent amount of snow here in minnesota but mm -hmm. 
I've never heard of lightning and thunder in a snowstorm. Yes, um, and I think that's probably a subalpine thing. I don't know exactly what, um, what, like whether or not you guys have mountainous terrain there, but over here we've got you know big high mountains, and so um, just the the way that the air cools as it goes up and down the mountains, um, you can get a storm system going through, uh, and it causes rain at low elevations and snow at high elevations. So it can be a pretty dramatic environment to work in. Yes, we definitely don't have any mountains here. <laughs> so that that's a crazy story, and I bet it's something that they talk about for the rest of their lives. Uh, yeah, you know, I if I was Australian and I'd never seen snow, that would be enough for me to talk about for the rest of my <laughs> life. But add lightning right there, and yeah, it's, it's a pretty good story. And bears. And bears! Oh, jeez, <laughs> I almost forgot, right? <laughs> so, um... Tell me a little bit about the the like white rotter rafting side of your tours. Yes, so it's a really fun time. Uh, I have taken a raft course, but I'm just not very good at it, so I'm not really a raft guide. Um, but it is a really good time. Um, we've got at the moment two. Uh, my my boss being one of them. We've got another an additional guide who's a really really solid raft guide. Uh, it's a really cool um, ecosystem that I'm in. It's got a river that has no dams and no um, flow management at all. So it's a completely natural river. Uh, now because of that, it's full of log jams and all sorts of hazardous things that are also great habitat. Now uh, in the autumn we have a salmon run. And so there's salmon in the river. Uh, so you can be rafting down this beautiful crystal clear river and there's big bright red fish and they're swimming around. And uh, of course, the bears come to feed on them. So it's it's pretty lovely. Is there anything that you wish you knew before you started down this path, whether it was a straight path or a curvy path? Hmm, it's a good question. Um, one of the things I love about my job is that I learn on the job all the time. And my boss, who's a very cool human, uh, has said to me, you know, as soon as you're not learning at this job, you should go and find another job. And that I, I certainly feel that way. So I do feel like I learn every day at my job. So there's lots of things I could have known going in. Uh, but the fact that I didn't know them going in is just fine, because that's meant that it's, uh, it's kind of prolonged um, the learning. Um, yeah, I think that's probably how I would answer that question. I love that answer. That seems to be a running theme with, with people in their careers that they love so much is that they get to continue learning throughout the whole time. Absolutely. Um, is there any, well, so you mentioned a certification with the river rafting. Are there any that you have to have or like structured continued ed continuing education? Like yeah, before? absolutely. Uh, yes, absolutely. So the first thing in BC um, is you need to be a certified bear viewing guide. So there's actually a commercial bear viewing association of British Columbia or the CBVA. Although if you Google that, the California Beach Volleyball Association comes up, which is <laughs> a little bit embarrassing. Um, but anyways, the CBVA exists and you can, uh, you can get a certification through them to be a, a certified bear guide. Um, so you start out as a level one guide and then um, as your hours and experience increase, uh, you become a level two and subsequently a level three guide. So that's a really handy certification. Uh, after that, I would say the most important one is uh, wilderness first aid. 
So I'm a wilderness first responder, and that's pretty standard um, for guiding world, um, for the guiding world. And it's it's basically um, knowing how to pe- keep people alive um, and in as much comfort as possible for you know 24 to 48 hours um, in the bush in remote areas. Uh, so those those I would say are the two big ones. Uh, I've got geez, I've got so many certifications besides that. I've got my swift water rescue, um, rafting again. I don't really raft, but I've got that one. Um, UTV and ATV training. I think I've got some kind of chainsaw training, off-road driving training. Um, there's, there's just a whole schwack. Um, but what I use a lot is, uh, is actually my, my diploma in recreation, fish and wildlife. I learned a lot about, um, different plants, uh, that kind of thing. Ooh. And then my favorite certification that I have, which I think is so cool is I'm, I'm a certified wildlife tracker or I I have a certificate in wildlife track and sign. So there's this super cool organization called cyber tracker international. And I am a level three, um, I have a level three certificate in wildlife track and sign through those guys. So that's, that's pretty neat. That is really cool. That's something that seems like there's so much that you'll just never learn at all oh man yeah uh and you (laughs) but that's that's what's so cool about it you keep learning all the time and that's what keeps life and your job interesting so that's great yeah are there any qualities that you feel have really helped you in your field past or present yeah I think um I think enthusiasm is a big one um and kind of part and parcel with that is, is kind of resilience. So there is, you know, sometimes you work a 16 hour day, you go to sleep, you wake up, all your gear is still wet. It's five 30 in the morning. It's raining. And, uh, you just don't want to be out there, right? <laughs> you want to stay in bed and drink tea. Uh, but you get up and you go guide people through this super cool ecosystem. And by the end of that walk, you're happy you got yourself out of bed at 5 a.m. Um, so I think I think that's a really big one. Uh, and maybe besides that, just just leadership. You do need to be a very very solid leader to keep people safe around all of these various hazards. Are there any unexpected animals that you've ever seen? Oh yes, um, I've I've still never seen a wolverine. And I'd sure sure like to, uh, but uh, with both alone and with guests, I've seen I've seen cougars. Um, I think they're m- more more commonly known as mountain lions uh, south of the border, um, and wolves as well. Um, I saw caribou. Uh, I, I didn't have guests with me unfortunately at the time, but I've seen caribou. There's about ten of them in the entire uh, mountain range that I live in, so that that was pretty special. Um, and you know, just the, the funky, the uncommon ones are always really fun to see. So for example, um, uh, American Martin, it's just, uh, it's this lovely little fellow in the weasel family. And, uh, sometimes you, you get to see them, but it's, it's always a surprise. So that's super cool. I've seen Lynx. That's a really special one. Yeah. We ran into a pack of wolves, wow. a small pack, but a pack of wolves, um, when I was I was probably 15 or 16. Oh, fun. And it was, well, they were probably less than 50 yards away. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. And they're so huge. They're enormous. So huge. 
I have a photo of a black bear track and a, and a wolf track right beside each other. And they're the same size. <gasps> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. It's serious. That same weekend, we also saw a moose. Woohoo! Oh, moose oh. are so lovely to see. Always, <laughs> always a privilege. Yep. Also much larger than I would have expected. <laughs> moose are enormous. Yes. No question about it. Actually, I uh, I was once out with guests and I saw so I saw a moose in the distance and I was looking through my binoculars and uh, I showed the guests and they were looking at the moose and one of them said, that moose is enormous. And it was it was the baby. <laughs> <laughs> then the mom showed up. Yep, that was a surprise. Then the mom showed up and they were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, what do you find most challenging about your career? Hmm. Um, I kind of wish I had a different answer for this, but I think one of the most challenging things is actually uh, it, it is a very male-dominated industry, um, and uh, and I definitely not not from my boss or my coworkers, but I do sometimes encounter sexism um, with guests. Um, so I just have to work a lot harder than my male coworker would to kind of get the same amount of respect. I have to be very bossy, uh, but I have to be bossy in polite ways um, because these people are paying my salary. <laughs> um, and so it can be it can be quite a balancing act. And it's it's just uh, an extra energy expenditure that feels a bit annoying to have to uh, to have to deal with and to navigate. Uh, but that said, you know, by the end of a f- uh, by the end of my time with people, I've got, you know, almost, um, I guess, I guess I'm kind of like a, a show don't tell kind of personality. Um, and so if I, you know, go out with a man who initially makes, you know, some snarky comment about me not being able to drive, and then I drive him up a forest service road that, you know, he, he couldn't drive and I chainsaw trees out of the way and, you know, make sure everybody's safe in a grizzly bear encounter, you know, by the end of that, I I would say I certainly have their respect. And uh, that's, so it's rewarding. It's a challenge, but it's rewarding. And then what is your, what is the most enjoyable thing about your job? I'm sure there's many. Yes, I certainly love my job. Um, So I would say it kind of boils down to two things. Uh, One of them is, as I'm sure you're aware, uh, we live in this world that is facing climate change and habitat fragmentation and just all of these all of these really really damaging agents that are really negatively affecting the uh, ecological world around us Uh, and when I get to go out and see you know a grizzly bear and you know statistically on paper grizzly bears and, and humans just don't they don't coexist, you know, they can, uh, but statistically and historically they, they haven't, there's this brilliant map and it shows all the little lights at night, uh, to show where, where the humans, uh, are. And then if you overlay the grizzly bear range map, it's basically wherever there's humans, there aren't grizzly bears. Um, so, so to kind of get to go out and see, you know, a grizzly bear teaching her cubs to fish, uh, gives me, one kind of hope for the environment, hope for the ecological world and its future, and also hope that humans can kind of get their act together and um, and uh, work out a way to kind of live peacefully and coexist alongside bears, specifically grizzly bears. And then the other kind of cool piece of what I do is uh, is conservation. So uh, the company that I work for is very very cool in that um, they put a lot of 
money towards conservation initiatives. Um, and uh, I've had the privilege of, of being a big part of that. So it means I get to go out and set up trail cameras and uh, go through that footage and go tracking and um, kind of participate in meaningful um, participate in projects that have meaningful conservation outcomes. And that's that's very close to my heart. Do you get to spend a lot of time, like you mentioned, um, watching a grizzly bear mom teach her cubs how to fish? Is that something you get to just kind of sit there and watch and learn about? Ideally, yes. If the bear cooperates, that's exactly <laughs> what we do. Um, of course, the bear doesn't always cooperate. Um, but yeah, so kind of a, a general model. And again, we are a very kind of unconventional company in that we're roving. We go around, we move around looking for bears, whereas a lot of other operations have uh, fixed platforms or something like that and uh, and the, let the bears come to them. Uh, but yeah, ideally, um, we do have several mums in the valley that are comfortable um, with us, are pretty tolerant of us. So if we behave ourselves, um, they're usually pretty tolerant of us, uh, of us sitting there and watching them. Um, yeah. I can just imagine that that is such a cool thing to see. It's delightful. And what's, what's really cool too is, um, you know, te- teaching teaching the cubs to fish is kind of a, a textbook example of what everyone wants to see. But there's so many other parts of bear behavior that we don't see on TV that are just as fascinating, just as incredible. So, you know, seeing a bear strip berries off a branch using her lips instead of, obviously, they don't really have hands that are good for picking <laughs> picking berries off bushes, but just to see that dexterity in their lips stripping stripping uh, berries off branches and to even even napping um i once saw a grizzly bear climb onto a uh, a rock it was about zero degrees celsius um so that must have been like a sub-zero rock and she just climbed onto it and laid her paws over one over the other put her head down and had a little nap you know and you, you don't think about oh, i want to i want to see a bear take a nap you <laughs> but but it's just as cool it's just as interesting as um seeing a bear teach its cubs to fish well, now I want to see a bear take a nap. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, it's a good goal. It would be it would be nice to be able to see some of that stuff post COVID. So, absolutely. Yep. So, do you have any career decisions that you are absolutely incredibly happy about? You know, I think my biggest was when I dropped out of university after a year of biochemistry. Uh, And it sounds a little funny, and it certainly put me behind in terms of age and stuff. Um, So I've been I've been taking university courses, I I do plan long term on on being a biologist, I don't think I'll stop guiding entirely, but I'd like to kind of supplement with um, biology work. But um, but yeah, in retrospect, uh, I could have continued with biochemistry and been very good at it. Um, but I just wouldn't be as happy uh, working in a lab. So I am very very happy that I dropped out, you know, mo- moved to BC and and actually learned um, learned everything that I did and also got all the hands on experience um, that I got uh, kind of outside in the bush in the wilderness making things work you know, driving in funny, crazy places. And uh, ultimately, I feel like that's that served me pretty well. 
So if you, yeah, my, I guess I guess my piece of advice there would be if you are in a school program that you do not enjoy, um, change it up. I definitely did that. I have actually not gone back to school because I don't know want to know what I want to do with my life. So <laughs> it's good to talk to other people who have been in that same kind of situation because it was really hard for me to drop out when I was unhappy because you don't hear about it as much as I wish we could. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think our culture also has this idea that we should do only one thing with our lives or with our careers. And I think I think that's kind of crazy. I think that's kind of nuts. Um, so my boss, for example, who, you know, I'm consistently... Uh, inspired by and who I think is a really cool human. Uh, he started out as a foreign war correspondent. And then oh. after doing that for 15 years, he moved out to, you know, moved to Canada and started a bear viewing operation. And what a career change, right? Uh, but I'm, I'm all about it. I think it's super cool to do multiple, multiple things, multiple careers um, in your life. And so, so for example, I'm have been a, a bear viewing guide for the past few years, but I'm working as a wildlife technician now, and I, I certainly plan on being a wildlife biologist. Um, so those things are certainly not crazily different, but um, but yeah, we, we don't need to be attached to doing one thing. I love it. That's kind of the whole goal behind this podcast is to hopefully get to a point where I can normalize some of that stuff. Woohoo! Good stuff. <laughs> Yay! Um. So you mentioned that you do have some some ladder climbing that you would like to do um, for room to grow in your career. Um, do you want to? Do you have more to talk about with that? Um. Yeah, maybe a little bit. So, um, um, first of all, I I would say you can be a guide or a bear viewing guide and have that as your kind of career. One of my coworkers um, has been guiding since he's, he was 20 years old or something. And now he's 60 or 65, probably 60. Um, and yeah, so this, he's made it, he's made a career of that. And, um, you know, he's been really happy with that as a career choice. Personally, I am uh, on the nerdy side, um, on, on the nerd spectrum. <laughs> um, <laughs> to put it that's a little bit diplomatic but um yeah I'm definitely on the nerd spectrum and and I just love research I love analysis and um I think my brain uh will would really enjoy and it does really enjoy kind of doing my own research um so I do think that I will kind of ultimately be a wildlife biologist and conducting my own research um now there can be a lot of beautiful overlap between um something like guiding and uh, research. So ultimately, I'd, you know, kind of like to design my own schedule, um, guide as much as I like, and then the rest of the time do do some cool science uh, that hopefully helps some of these animals and ecosystems that I care so much about. Awesome. Well, I wish you the best in that. It sounds like you have some really great aspirations. Well, thank you. So, I don't know if I have any more questions for you. Do you have anything else you'd like to talk about or any questions for me? Um, I, I just want to mention briefly that the company that I work for is called Wild Bear Lodge. And I just say that because I feel like I've mentioned it about 95 times. And it would be a little bit funny for that to just stay a mystery. Um, so, that's that. 
Um, oh, maybe just one other thing. So um, bear viewing is kind of an interesting industry because so it's yeah so bear viewing is kind of an interesting industry because you are in some capacity exploiting the animals um exploiting might be too strong a word um and you are certainly disturbing them to some extent just by being there just by having an odor you know you're innately kind of disturbing them just a little bit um and so we, at least at the company that I work at, we feel very strongly that we're doing more good than harm or else, you know, we'd all go find other jobs um, and that would be just fine. But there's been some really cool science on it um, that kind of shows that um, bear, bear viewing is kind of net good for bears. And uh, I just wanted to speak to one of the kind of one of the accomplishments um, that uh, the, the company that I worked for was really involved in. So uh, prior to 2017, prior to December 2017, it was legal to uh, hunt grizzly bears in BC. Um, so you could get a, uh, a if, if you were a resident, you could get a, um, a tag to hunt a grizzly bear for about $80 Canadian. Um, and as a, as a non-resident, it was much more. But most of these animals were, um, were shot for trophies, so they weren't actually consumed. Um, and, uh, the company that I work for specifically Julius Strauss and, and Kristen Strauss, his, uh, his late wife, they, uh, they were really, really heavily involved in getting the grizzly bear hunt band. And, uh, along with, along with the help of lots of other folks, uh, they pulled it off. And I think that's absolutely phenomenal. And I'm, think it's a huge conservation success story. And that was funded by their company that was funded by the guests coming out to BC to to see these animals. Um, so overall, I see bear viewing done right uh, as a tool for for conservation um, in you know uh, ecosystems and a province that that really needs it. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. That's a really great point. Yeah, it's a it's a lovely story actually. So there was um there was a bear named Apple that uh, that they had watched for years and years and years. They'd watched her bring up uh, multiple litters of cubs, and then uh, and then a local a local shotter using an eighty dollar tag, and um, that that was that. And you know, and I, I know to me it's it's just terrible to me. I'm not I'm not. Yeah, I think I think it's just terrible. Um, and uh, you know, instead of doing nothing about it or being sad or bummed out, they were sad and bummed out. But <laughs> instead of just doing that, you know, they they let it motivate them to to actually make a pretty positive difference. And I think that's so cool. Yeah, they use that to make a change for the future. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Oh, that's great. That's sad about Apple, though. It's so sad, right? Um, it's super sad. Sounds like she had. A personality and a relationship almost with the the guides <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know I, ne I never met her she died before I started guiding uh but you do develop um you do develop an awareness of different bears personalities you know just like just like humans they're sophisticated intelligent animals and uh if you see them enough you you start to catch on to their different behaviors um so for example there's this one bear on the river that uh is just such a delight uh, we call her droopy lip <laughs> because she she got 
presumably she got in a fight or something and so her her lip is a little bit droopy it's just got a little scar and it so it, it droops and it makes her really easy to identify and um she had uh she's she's got different cubs now but uh in 2017 she had a litter of two cubs with her and uh the, one of them was always you know right behind mom like falling right on her heels and then the other one was just just a gong show he could be anywhere <laughs> it was so funny and uh you know he's just always behind always late always distracted and uh what's really funny is after after the mom chased the cubs away and they were on their own uh the sister brother pair had the same behavior so the sister's always kind of like you know eyes forward like you know paying attention task oriented if you will and and the brother you know sometimes she has to sit and wait for the brother to catch up because no no one knows where he's at so yeah these animals these animals really do have individual personalities um they sound like my puppies so oh puppies yes actually um a little science uh, nugget here is the the animal that is the most closely related uh, to bears in that it has the the most recent common ancestor is, is dogs. Um, and so you can actually learn a lot about bear behavior um, just by hanging out with dogs. And um, there's some useful stuff in there. Well, I got my my dopey little boy sitting here right next to me. So that's lovely. <laughs> and you know, a, a dopey little bear cub would probably act pretty similarly oh fantastic <laughs> right but you gotta watch out for mama with grizzly bears yes statistically with black bears you're, you're pretty good yeah um yeah it's a big misconception actually is that grizzly or that black bear mums with cubs are dangerous typically no uh there's been very very few accounts of black bear mums uh with cubs attacking people it's it's really grizzly bear mums with cubs Okay. I think we have more black bears here. Yeah. I don't know how far east grizzly bear range extends in the States. I know Montana and Idaho have, you know, pretty solid numbers. And there's a there's a good population in Yellowstone, but I, I don't know about Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, I think the one that I saw was definitely a black bear. Yeah, some some of them are pretty clear cut. Others it's, <laughs> others it's a bit of a guessing game. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Career Chronicles. I'm your host, Jade Grundy, and today we learned more about a career that you may not have heard of before. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at The Career Chronicles and Twitter at TheCareerCron1 or my personal Instagram at JadeFlorence95. All links and resources for the show can be found at anchor.fm forward slash The Career Chronicles. The best way to get the word out is to subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts and to tell your friends who you think might enjoy as well. If you stayed till the end, you get a special treat. I'm going to start telling career-related jokes to send you on your way. Someone I know got fired from their job at the calendar factory. All they did was take a day off. <laughs>